If you got your Bibles, that's good. <laughs> we'll start there. But we're continuing our series of Your Kingdom Come, You Will Be Done. Stroke, being a game changer. Being a game changer. You know, the last weeks we've been endeavoring to cover this. We've been going on, a, on this series for quite a while because it's worth keep talking about. We believe this is our preceding word. This is the word that is coming from heaven to us. This kingdom must come. It must, must come. It must manifest. It must find its way on the earth. The kingdom of God. So for the, in order for the kingdom to come, it needs a voice. Okay? So we've been, we've been talking about helping you discover your voice. If you're going to be a game changer, you have to have a voice. There's so many voices on the earth. There's so many voices in our families. Everyone is trying to be heard. Everybody wants to be heard. Facebook is all about voices. Twitter is about voices. Everybody wants to make themselves, their opinions, their thoughts known and heard. But you know, I hear a lot of people using Facebook Christians, but guess what? Facebook alone is not your witness. Facebook is silent. There's no body behind there. It's just a face. You know, don't use, don't think you put in a post on Facebook is you witnessing. Come on, get a life. It, it can be used, absolutely, for sure. But it's much more than that. So we have to find a voice. When you find a voice, you must find your message. And when the voice finds the message, the voice and the message must become one in a messenger. John was a voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Voice, the voice found the man. John carried a message. So the voice, the message, and the messenger all became one. Don't find your voice on a Sunday. Because the only voice you need on a Sunday is a singing voice. And I've heard some of you sing. And you've heard me sing. None of us qualify for singers. Okay? But we give our all unto the Lord. Lord must have, what do they call them? Those headphones, audio beats, what do they call them? Beats. Yeah? He's thinking, this racket down there in Drawsden, they're making a right racket. No, he doesn't. It's a sweet-smelling sound. But we don't just want the people to have a voice in church. We could get a choir if we wanted and let them become the voice. No, we don't want that. Why? Because you're the worshipper. don't want a choir to come and do the worshiping for me. I want to, I want to worship. Amen? I don't want to watch them. This is the choir here. So... The voice and the message and the messenger must become one. So when the voice, the message in the messenger becomes one, you must then find your specific field. You must find a field. So, okay, we've all got a voice, have we not? We've all got a voice. When you're singing in the shower, you know you have a voice. We must find our message. Okay, we've said that. So the voice and the message must become a messenger. When you've got all that together, then you have to find your field. Your field can be your family. Your field can be your work, where you work. 
Your field can be your neighbors. Your field can be your career. God gives us a field. Every one of us has a field. And the field is not only given just to earn money, to provide, though that is a massive you know, benefit. The field is given for much more than that. That's where you influence. That's where people see Christianity in reality. That's where they observe your life. People are watching you all the time. It's frightening, but they are. Some are not doing it consciously. They're doing it, un you know, unconsciously. Conscious of your conscious behavior or unconscious behavior. But they're watching you all the time. I told you the study when I was in Malaysia. For 10 years, that lady had watched me. 10 years I'd been going to Malaysia. 10 years. And she says, I've observed you for 10 years. I thought, that's a stalker lady. That's not an observer. That's a this is a Muslim lady. And she asked me that question. How does a Western man stay married to one woman? One woman. And she, it, it was, she was nervous in asking me and approaching me. But she felt I had the secret. I had the answer. She'd watched me. And it was a miracle that she came and asked me. And she kind of just threw this piece of paper. She'd observed me. So I was able to talk with her. And help her. How? And one man can stay faithful to one woman. Do we believe that's possible? Of course we do. I'm the example. Many of you are the example. I'm not the only example. But people are watching. People are observing. And when it came my time to sit down with this Muslim lady in a Muslim nation, which we shouldn't really do, the opportunity came for my voice to be heard. That's how easy it is. She'd been tracking me for 10 years. Now, you know when we go to Malaysia, there's a 1,000 people there. There's a 1,000 people at our conference. And this good-looking white man stood out for 10 years. Stallion, baby. Stallion. For 10 years, she'd been observing me. Who's observing you? Who's observing you? I was just minding my own business, doing my own thing. Every time I go to Malaysia, on my best behavior, I think. But you know what? Her watching me, can you imagine if she said, I've seen you. I've seen you. Yes, you saw me, and you saw me consistent for 10 years. That's all she needs to know. So one of the alarming discoveries that we're finding in church more and more is majority of the church does not have a voice. It's lost its voice. It speaks inside, but it has no voice outside. And, the, and one of the reasons for this is this, and this is, Phil and I were talking about this yesterday. One of the major reasons why the church has lost its voice predominantly is because people are so concerned with themselves that they no longer have a conscience about the lost. The lost are lost for a reason. And the church is allowing them to stay lost. You know, hide and seek, we're not seeking. They're hiding, but we're not doing the seeking. And they're lost because we've become so consumed with my life, then my family's life, and then my, myself and how we can obtain what goals we want to obtain. Now, all those things are not wrong in themselves, are they? To take, can, to take um, care of yourself is not wrong. To take care of your family is not wrong. To take care of some of your needs are not wrong. However, we are meant to be believers. And we have an obligation and we have a mandate from heaven to seek the lost. And the lost are lost not because...
they can't be found is because the church has stopped seeking them. So there's no conscience inside of us. When we walk down the street, we don't see lost people. We just see people. When we're in crowded rooms, we just see people. We have forgot our mission mandate. Your kingdom come. Why would the kingdom come if my life's cool? If me and my family are okay, we're all healthy, we're fine. If my needs are being taken care, why do I need the kingdom? Hey, I'm in the kingdom. There needs to be a conscience restored back to the church. And when I say back to the church, I mean to you and to me. The church has a specific people, that's you and me. And without this conscience, I don't honestly believe our nation will ever be saved. Because there is no thrust, no urgency to go and get the lost saved. We walk past the lost every day. We're on the bus with the lost. We go, we're sat on trains with the lost. We get taxis, uh, you know, and we sit there with the lost. That's the driver. We go everywhere. We go shopping and the lost are there. So if the lost are there, surely opportunities must also be there. But if I've not got no conscience of the lost, I'm not looking for an opportunity. Therefore, I don't need to discover my voice. I don't need to find my message. And then all I need is a church life. You see how, how individualistic and selfish it can become. And God is determined about his kingdom's coming. Since the day he told the disciples, here's the keys, he's never, ever changed his mind on his kingdom coming. And his kingdom, if it's not now, when? If not who? If not us, who? And in Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he gives them this commission. Go and make disciples. Of who? All nations. Then what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them. So now teaching them needs a message and a voice. Okay? Baptizing is a practical thing. It's an outward demonstration of an inward confession. But to go and teach people to obey requires you finding your voice and your message in your field. You cannot teach people to obey if you're not going to open your mouth. Come on. Right now, I'm teaching you. There was a day when the thought of me standing here in front of people, Andrea, was in completely immense. Well, she's just come through the door now. The very thought of me doing this was immense. I didn't want to do it. It's the last place I wanted to be. But God chose me. So when God chooses you, guess what? You better obey. You better obey. So he says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So the one who told us to go and do it will be with us. You're not on your own. Yes? So turn to Psalm 19, if you will, please. Psalm 19, verse 1, says this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There's more to a sky than meets the eye. 
There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. The voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. Now, we all love, on a beautiful night, we all love looking up at the, the sky and seeing stars, shooting stars. Or on a sunny day, we love to see, or certainly at the end of the day as the sun's coming down, we love to see the cloud formation and how the sun creates images in the sky, you know, with the clouds and breaking through and things like that. It's a beautiful thing. It's kept arti artists busy for years. Yeah? It's kept photographers in a job. It's kept romanticism alive. Yes? So there's something about the skies that God wanted man to see and learn from. We all appreciate a, a blue sky, do we not? We all appreciate the weather. We might not like the rain, but we know we need the rain. Sometimes we just get a bit more than we need. And other, other countries get a lot less than they deserve. So here we see in the scripture that the heavens declare. The heavens declare. So all heaven is speaking. All heaven has a voice. All of heaven has found its voice. All heaven has found its message. And all of heaven has found its field. Why? Because it stretches right across the earth. Its field is the world. True? When Jesus spoke the Great Commission, he told you, he told you the size of the field for the church going to all the world. That's the size of the field. Now, according to your giftings and your careers, that will put you in specific fields within that world. Yes? And with a career and a job, there's no limitations. A job can take you anywhere. True? It can take you anywhere. So God has carefully created the, the vastness of the environment, the field. It's called the world. And within the world, there will be specific territories where you will live. Acts 17 tells us it's God who chose where we should live. He chose, us the, he chose the generation we, we should be part of. He's even chose your house, where you're going to live. Okay? He didn't buy the house. You've got to buy the house. You've got to pay for it. Okay, but it gives you a job to pay for that. So the sky, so all the heavens declare. So there's nothing in heaven without a voice. What, Osher, let me ask you this question. Are you part of heaven? Are you sure? Are you sure? So therefore you've got a voice. All of heaven has got a voice. So the next part we see is the skies proclaim. So the skies have a voice. The skies have a voice. Yes? So when you see a red sky at night and it's thundering, what do you see? What, do you, what kind of imagery do you pick up? The sky speaks. I love looking at the sky. I love looking at it. Because I, I, you know, last night when I was playing golf with Phil, I, said, you know, I looked at the skies and I quoted that scripture. Said, what do you think that sky is telling us? There's always something about the sky at night. It's telling us something. It's telling us the wonders of God. Amen? And then he says, day after day, they pour, pour forth speech. So heaven speaks, the sky speaks, but day after day, they keep on speaking. So they're continuous in their speech. Amen? Continuous. So they never stop talking. Do we know people like that? Of course we do. They never stop talking. And then it says this, there is no speech or language 
where their voice is not heard. So if they stop speaking, there is no language. Now think about that just for a minute. If you go to work or you're in your family or your neighborhood and there is no voice and there is no language, then nothing is heard. Think about this. You are a reflection of the heaven. You are a reflection of the skies. If they pull back their voice, nothing is heard. So if you pull back your voice, nothing is heard. Is that not fair to say? Come on, is that not fair to say? So when you're not speaking and you won't speak up, there is no language and no voice in your field. So it's empty. And your field, it's called your field because it's been given to you. And your field needs your voice, your expression, your charisma, your personality and your character. That's why it's your field. That's why God's given you skills and gifts and abilities. Because he wants you to be present and active in certain fields. Hello? Certain fields. It's amazing how schools and universities direct and trying to put things into our children and set them on a course. But it's God who reveals and determines where we'll end up. It's not wrong for those people to, to start that process off, but God ultimately overrides. Why? Because he's determined your field must have your voice. God has fields that he wants you in. So when you're raising your children, wouldn't it be good to find out where God wants your children? Because where God wants your children, not where you want your children, where God wants your children is where they'll be most prosperous and most happy. But we want our kids to be in this field and that field and this field. But that's why you are a steward over your child. That's why you dedicated them. Lord, show us how to raise the child. Where, how, where will he serve? How will he serve? Who will he serve? That's your responsibility to inquire of God where your children need to be in life. That's why you dedicated them. That's why we don't baptize. We dedicate your confession. You promised. All we did was officiate it. Okay? So if you send your kids into certain careers and they don't flourish, maybe your kids shouldn't be in that area. Maybe you didn't inquire enough to find out where they should be. Come on. No, you don't like this, but it's still truth. Don't shoot me down when I'm telling you the truth. Don't close your heart. Don't close your heart. We've all suffered from this. We've all suffered. Constantly, I'm, I'm trying to tell my son, son, don't go that way. Son, don't go this way. Why? Because there's bears in that wood. There's lions in that forest. Why? No, and he has a strong will, just like you and I are. And he wants to go his own way. And guess what? When he goes that way, he has trouble. My son has not got peace. Everywhere he tries to work, he's never got peace. You know why? Because he won't listen. That's all. And they push and they push and they push. And guess what mums and dads do? They just keep telling them the truth and keep saying the same thing over and over and over again until you keep feeding the slot machine until all the bars light up, the lights come on. Whoa, you're right, dad. I told my son in his last job, not the one he just changed his job this weekend, but I told him a job before, I said, son, you're going to lose your job. I prophetically declared, guess what? That week, they got rid of him. 
I said, why don't you listen to me when God's speaking to me about you? He said to me, are you going to tell me every time I'm going to lose my job? I said, what's the point? You don't listen. But I'll keep telling you anyway. Be a voice to your children. Keep saying the same thing, irrespective of how painful it becomes. Come on. Consistency is the only way. Raising children's hard work, it takes a grace. So Romans 10 verse 13 says this. Let's keep with our thought, if the skies pull back its language, if the skies pull back its voice, there's silence. Let's keep that thought in our minds. Romans 10 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the name they have not believed in? How then can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How then can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You can't bring good news without a voice. Okay, you've got to determine where you're going to bring the good news. What field are you going to, the field is waiting for good news. Yes, you've got to find your field, find your voice, find your message, so you can bring good news in the field. But four times it says there, how can they? It's asking us the question, how can people be saved? How can they call on the name of the Lord if there is no voice in the field? Hello? Right now, it would be a shame for you in the next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, depending on how long you've got left in your work, to stand at the funeral of some of the people that you work with and they never had heard your voice. You attend the funeral of people you work with, but you never opened your mouth, found your, found your message, heard your voice. That's a shame. In fact, let's go beyond that. That's a tragedy. To find, I went, you know, I wanted to pay my respects. No, the best way to pay your respect was to have told them. And at least when they sign off this earth and they chose a different path, you told them. You told them. Why? Because you was not conscious that they were going to hell. You lost conscious with reality. The reality is, that is the reality. Without a voice, people are going to hell. Phil taught us that in the Authentic Sonship. He told us the importance of this. And there was the sobriety that came on us only for a couple of minutes. And then we go back to our ways again because we've not, we're not interested in the lost. And it breaks God's heart. It breaks God's heart that his church are no longer interested in what he's interested in. And they, gather, and they gather each week after week after week and they tell God they love him. They tell God they'll serve him. They say, God, bless me, oh God, bless me. And, and God hears the cries of all that. And in the midst of that, God still answers. That's the sovereignty of God right there. Even though the church is not doing what it should be doing, God still answers his people. And yet our generation's going to hell. Our friends are going to hell. Or maybe you haven't got any friends, I don't know, but... The point is, the world is still going to hell. And we have got to have a conscience. We've got to pray, God, give us your heart for the lost. Give us a conscience. Let me see what you see. Let me feel what you feel. I cannot keep walking past people anymore and ignoring them. 
have got to have some kind of conscience about where can I start? What can I do? There has to be this inside our heart because if we're cold, we can't be cold to that, to that, to the lost and alive to God. Because being alive to God is being alive to what is in his heart. Do you not see that? So, and how can they believe if one in the one whom they have not heard? It's all right talking, complaining in our nation about the different cultures and the different nations and the different religions are coming into our nation and are already in our nation, but we can't complain. This is a great opportunity to go and evangelize. It's a great opportunity. Nations have not heard about our God. Stop complaining they're in the nation. Let the government sort that out. That's not your problem. See it as an opportunity. Hey, when we first started working with asylum seekers, God put the Iranians in front of us. Didn't he? Salam, chitore. Then he put Ethiopia in front of us. Then he put the Congolese in front of us. And now you could turn around with your white British cap on and say... This is wrong, get them out. Or you can sit down and turn around and say, Lord, thank you, Lord, you brought the nations to our door. Now, I know that thought is not shared with the majority of our nation, but stop complaining and see it as an opportunity. Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways, Lord. Put me in front of some of these people. It's an opportunity for me to go and learn. Hey, the food's great. Go on, Mazabzi. Hey, so John 4, 34 says this, my food, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My will. What is your will this morning? Is your will his will or do you want God, do you want God to fulfill your will? Do you want God to use his will to fulfill your will? Or do you want to use your will to fulfill his will? Let me say that again. Do you want God to turn his will so he'll fulfill your will? Or do you want, is your will to fulfill his will? It's like a child comes to his parent and moans and moans and moans and dad doesn't want to do it or mom doesn't want to do it, but dad's convinced because of the moaning to turn his heart towards Johnny. When really... All that dad wanted was for Johnny to turn his heart to his dad's will. Some of us want our children to do what we want. And that's not wrong. But you yourself won't turn your heart to what the father wants. So the model of fathering in the home is not right. You want your children to yield to your authority. Right? But what about you yielding to your father's authority? You want your children to listen to your wisdom. Why don't you listen to your heavenly father's wisdom? You want your children to bend their will to conform to the rules of the house. But when a leadership asks you to do the same thing, your opinion supersedes their authority and their wisdom. Come on, church. For every stone you can throw, God could throw a rock back. So... My food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. Do not say four months more and then the harvest. In other words, stop saying that. 
Stop saying, God, in six months you're going to do this. In 12 months you're going to do that. The day you receive the word is the day it starts. The day you receive the word is the day it starts. The full manifestation of what you heard may not materialize the first day, but you step into it the first day you receive it. I'm not waiting six months, eight months for God to do something. He started doing it the day I received it. Because the day it took root in my heart was the day it came alive. Hello? The day it came alive. When God promises you something, that's the day it came alive. So it doesn't materialize for what? Da-da-da. Live in the promise. Abraham did. Do not say four months and then, then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. Get a conscience. Look at the field. Have a look when you go to work. Even have a look at your family today. Have a look what's in the field. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now the harvest, the crop of eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. So when you find your field and your voice, you may be the sower, you may even be the water, you may even be the reaper. Because if we're all doing what we should be doing, what you don't know is there may be other people in your field who have the same God as you do, the same heart and the same desire. They've had conversations that you're not aware of. So that you could be the seed sower at one point, you could be the water at another point. Who, it doesn't matter as long as you're doing your part. And then all of a sudden, boom, the harvest comes. And you get so excited, someone got saved today, someone got saved today. Can you imagine if we all did that? Not someone, a lot of people be getting saved all the time. It's that easy. It's that simple. Just be a God did not say it's your responsibility to save someone. He died on the cross to save him. But it is your responsibility to open your mouth, find your voice, find your message, and release your voice in your field. All God's asking you to do that will you be his representative on the earth. And God will do the rest. But the work of salvation is not flesh. The work of salvation is not human. It's divine. But when the words leave your mouth, God begins to take your words and he does a supernatural thing on the inside of people's lives. You never convince someone into salvation. Why? Because it has to be revealed. The Holy Ghost has to reveal. You can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and some people don't listen. Some never, the penny never clicks until one day you have a conversation. You know, I've been going to church for seven years until one day David spoke to me. My own brother-in-law spoke to me and said, you need Jesus. And you know what? The day he said that, the penny clicked. Thank God he's still here today. Seven years I went to church. Seven lousy years. Not knowing God, but doing the religious thing. Then one day I found Jesus. That was the start. That wasn't it all. That was just bed and breakfast. We had to move into the rest then. That was just the first down payment. So he says this, even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now the harvest for the crop. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus saying, thus the saying, one sows, the other one reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not sown or what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. I am stood here today because of my forefathers labored. They sowed seeds into this atmosphere. 
they sowed seeds into this ground so I could stand and have a better platform to speak to you. Thank God, all those doctrines wasn't sweet. Some of those messages were a bit stiff, but guess what? Had they not labored, not all my messages are sweet. You think, you're flipping right there, Pastor. Yes, I know that. The point is, someone went before me. So, some grandmother prayed for you. Some grandfather prayed for you. Some auntie, some uncle. We're all here because someone got us here somehow, some way. They sowed. It might have been your great, 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 great granddad prayed in your generation. God heard the prayer and selected the generation. You never know who's sown things for you. Just be thankful they have. Be aware someone's gone before you. Yes? Have a conscience. Someone's gone before you. You know, I didn't agree with many the, the forefathers who I knew. I didn't agree with all their teachings. But guess what? It still got me here. It got me here. God says you can't take it, you can't take the good, the bad. Just take it all, son. Work it out en route. And I'm here because of them. Thank God for my forefathers. And then it gives us an opportunity to start speaking to the nation. I mean, there's so many people away this morning on holiday. This is probably the, the, the worst week for losing your people. A lot of people are away this morning. But you know, if, we, if my forefathers hadn't have paid the price for me to stand here, we could never have stood on our platform calling for the nations. Now God has given us a portion of those nations. We can see God's hand now starting to move in the nations. We've been pro prophesying this. Our influence in the nations now is growing. Amen? And many of you will, will continue to go to the nations. But if we hadn't have had our platform to do that, this wouldn't have happened. But if they hadn't have done what they had to do, we couldn't have stood on the shoulders of giants. So God is very serious about having a witness on the earth. God is very, very serious. And he wants to know who's going to back him up. Yes? One of the ways that you can speak, just go to Deuteronomy 27 verse 8. And it says this, Deuteronomy 27 verse 8. And you shall write very clearly all the words of the law on these stones you have set up. Stones speak. Words speak. Now sometimes when there is no human voice to speak for the words, the words speak for themselves. True? So these banners here, all around here, all these banners, if this is the first time you're in here and you're seeing those banners, they just look like slogans to you. But to the family, these all mean something very, very specific to us. We can say, that was the moment when we had an encounter. That was the moment where we, where we touched heaven and heaven released a whole new song. One of the songs we're going to release in the church to you, what we released at EYC, came as a result of heaven touching the earth. So everything we, you see around here is speaking for us. But when we're not here and somebody looks, they have to speak for themselves. So when God told Israel to write things down on a stone, he knew there would be some times when people wouldn't be there to speak and the stone would speak for itself. Hello? So, how do we do that? Well, have you discovered your voice? In discovering your voice, you will find that many of you can write. Many of you can draw. Many of you can paint. Well, some of you can paint. 
Some of you can write poetry. Some of you can dance. Some of you can do all kinds of things. Why not use those skills you have, discover those skills, those voice, and let those things speak for you? I realized a long time ago that I cannot go to every nation, but my materials can. With the internet today, anything can go anywhere in a flick of a button. I write manuals now, write resources now, what can be, go, can be out. They already want to translate all our materials now into German so that we can run a school of the prophets in Germany to all the speaking, German-speaking nations. So already, Germany, Austria, Switzerland are taken care of. My voice is going beyond this pulpit. So if I can do that, why can't you do that? Some of you like poetry. Why don't you write poetry? Come on. When you sat in your work at your dinner time and you're writing poetry, you know, you're doodling, stop doodling and dawdling. Use it. Some of God's given fantastic skills in this church. And they are voices. That if you submit that to God and take it serious, for years and years and years, Pat will bear witness on this, I was writing and nothing was coming from them. I wrote two manuals. Nothing came good. I said, Lord, what the heck am I writing for? I don't see any benefit from it. No one's using it. I just heard the Lord say, shut up and just keep doing it. Great, Lord. Thank you for the encouragement. I wrote one book just to talk myself happy. To preach myself out of a hole, I wrote one book just to, to preserve my life. It was called Passing Through, Crossing Over. That was all about my journey. And I didn't realize at the time. And I'm thinking, God, why aren't you using this? Shut up, Tony. And then all of a sudden, the manuals for the daughters, uh, for the uh, women of significance. Um, what was it called? I forgot. Not Unleash. And then what's the other one? Meeting places. The meeting places. And now other manuals are coming out. Why? Because I'm determined my voice is not just here. My, I, there are other fields that God wants me to go into. So now we're going to take the family. The family is the next one we're going to go for. Why? Because all these areas need a voice. If the skies pull back their voice and language, there is nothing heard. If you pull back in your work, nothing is heard. So if you can write, get it published, get it sent out. Find, let God open the avenues for you. There are many, many avenues waiting for your voice. So don't just think that you have to speak. But neither, you cannot hide behind those things. At some point, you have to open your mouth. Because someone says, let's just say David likes painting and sculpturing. Somebody says to him, what's all that about? Because you know art can be vague at times. It's true. Just like design can be. What's in the heart of the designer, they put it out there. They know what it means. And you walk into a gallery and you think, I wonder what he was smoking the day he... He painted that or he drew that. And the artist will be mortified. What, doesn't he speak for itself? Uh, no. Help me. At some point, you've got to speak. So you paint, and if you have to use words, use words. So God is very serious about having his witness on the earth. How many of you believe that? So Isaiah 43, verse 9, says this. All the nations together 
and the people assemble, which of them foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let him bring in their witnesses to prove they were right so that others may hear and say it's true. So God's challenging them at this point. And then he goes into verse 10 of Isaiah 43. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. My servant in whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Even I am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. Wow. I am not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, from the ancient days, I am he. No one can deliver you out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? Three times we hear the word witness used. God chose you to be his witness. God chose you. Hello? Look at me, please. Look at me. God chose you. God just didn't choose you to be saved. God chose you to be a witness. So you are saved. You're forgiven. You're cleansed. But you are also chose to be his witness. His witness. Now he says here in verse 10, sorry, verse 11, I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no Savior. So, there, apart from God, there is no Savior. Okay. I have revealed, saved, and proclaimed. Now, your job is not to save. Your goal may be to see them saved. But your responsibility cannot bring about salvation. God has to do it. We've already said that. But your mandate is to declare. What did he say there? I have revealed, through you talking, Finding your voice in your field, God reveals. Hello? Through you opening your mouth, Holy Spirit reveals. So there's a revealing that comes. There is a salvation that comes. And there must be a proclamation made. So me telling Phil, I don't know him. I've just met him. We, can't, we, we find a common ground first. We find out something that's going on in our immediate context. So it may be, I don't know, just... Pick something random. A baby. We both are drawn to this baby. And through us both being drawn to this baby, conversation starts. One leads to another. And before you know it, he tells somebody, oh, I'm a Christian, yeah. Oh, what does that mean? I'm a Christian. And it's just natural. Oh, well, I believe this. Jesus has done this in my life. Yeah, I, many years ago, I was going this way. And all of a sudden, someone told me about Jesus and how he can save your life. And you know what? He's done it. It's that simple. It's that simple. But he was conscious that when his moment came, all he had to do was connect that person to this dot. All he had to do was proclaim, sorry, reveal. God saves, but he had to proclaim. And from his proclamation came a revealing. It's that easy. It's that simple. We've made this rocket science. But the point is, well, 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 I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Yeah, use that forever if you want. That's never going to get you off because you were called to be his witness. He says to Moses, he says to Joshua, Moses, 
be of courage. So if Moses needs courage and Joshua needs courage, what does that tell you? They're frightened. They have fear as well. So when God spoke to Moses and he spoke to Joshua and he spoke to Jeremiah and he speaks to Paul and he speaks to you, did they not all have fear? Oh, so the word came to him, be of courage, have boldness. In other words, trust me. So if they can trust God, why can't you? Well, you read of what they did with that trust, but there was a day when the knees were knocking. There's a, let's give you a, a, a Manchester t a t terminology here. The bottle went. There was a day there when they were petrified. Oh God, not me, not me, no, 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 not me, not me. Use the pastor. Whoa, I signed up on a Sunday. Whoa, it clearly says on my contract, salvation only on a Sunday. SOS, speak to me on Sunday. No, 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 he said, you'll be my witness, son. Have faith in me, son. Trust me. Well, uh, well, well, yeah, you know what? This is called, this is what the ancients were commended for, faith. The ancients were commended for this. You cannot escape this forever and ever, church. We must have a conscience. The kingdom must have a conscience. If the kingdom does not have a conscience, Christ will never be revealed. Christ will never be revealed. The church will never be reformed. And the city can never be transformed if we don't have a conscience. This is our greatest challenge, to get God to come and do something in my heart gives me a conscience. When I have a conscience, the next step with is I need to have some faith to trust him. See, some of you know what to do. You don't do it. You won't trust him. You won't trust him. And because you won't trust him, he can never take you to the places that he planned for you. So you're only ever going to do life around the areas that you feel comfortable. Christianity, let me let, 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 me let you into this. If your Christianity is comfortable, there's something wrong. Come on. If your Christianity is comfortable, then there's something you're not doing. Because Christianity was never designed to be comfortable. Well, I don't want to be comfortable. Then maybe you have bought into the wrong Christianity. Well, I need to go to the seeker-friendly, you know, contemporary church where they don't expect me and they just love me. Bye-bye. That's where you need to be. That's where you need to be. Well, meanwhile, some of us will be going for the kingdom. Some of us are going for the kingdom. If you want contemporary church that makes you feel nice, loved, forgiven, all that kind of stuff, and doesn't go for the kingdom, guess what? It's not my words. This is Jesus' words. Nice, warm, contemporary church is not Bible. The kingdom is about a mission. The fields are white unto harvest. Don't keep saying, not my generation, not me, it'll be the pastor. Now is the time of harvest. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth now. We live in a now kingdom. Stop thinking, well, when I die, I'll get there. No, now. Now, it's a now kingdom. Today, the kingdom has come upon you. If I cast out a demon, today, the kingdom has come upon you. If the kingdom's only in the future, then why are we offering salvation today? Amen? 
Listen, the same God that tells these people to go and be a witness is the same God who said, I'll go with you. I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. You'll never be on your own. That's the good news. But guess what, son? I can't open your mouth for you. You've got to open your mouth. And guess what? When you open your mouth, let words come out. Yeah? <clears throat> last scripture. Sorry, Dave. I'm not going to get to that last video. It's okay. Sorry about it. I've kept you over there. You know, people have a voice. And you know, very often that voice is heard when they complain. We can all find our voice when we complain. We can all find our voice when we've got an opinion. When we want to whinge, we want to complain, and we want to make comments about what we see, what we think, what we view. Have you noticed we never have a problem with our voice? And it's amazing, you can sit on the bus. And it's amazing how many people whinge about the weather. Look at that weather. Oh, it's dreadful. I know. I know. And you end up cursing your own city because of the weather. I hate the flipping weather. But guess what? Get over it. Go and live in Australia then. Guess what? It rains there. And then they complain there's not enough rain in Australia. Oh, look at that sun. Isn't it shocking? You can't go in the sun in Australia. You get skin cancer. You just get wet in Manchester. You don't get cancer from it. Wherever you go, there's always a reason. You're on a train. People are complaining all the time. People are moaning. Why don't you use the opportunity to break into someone's complaining and turn it around? Ah, oh, yeah, I know, but think of this. We've got the best water in England. Turn it around for a positive. We've got Manchester water. It's clean. We could be worse. We could be in Preston. <laughs> we could have scally water right now. Bacteria. Bob, floating on the water, coming through your taps. Stop complaining. The fields are white unto harvest. Don't keep saying in four months, six months, two years, I'll be ready then. When I've done the discipleship, I'll be, I'll be, when, when we do the 217 school, we'll be all right. Stop it. Now. So in Exodus 3, 7, this scripture I'm going to read to you. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. God has heard the cries of the misery of the people in Manchester. God has heard the misery of his people in Manchester. God is attentive to their cry. He sees the pharaohs who will work, who are the factory owners. And, and, and the company bosses who oppress the workforce. He's seen how they keep taking away the privileges, but keep expecting the output. He sees the way the people are getting less and less privileges. He sees how the wages are reduced, or the hours are lengthened. And they've got to do more and more and more to get just a little bit more salary. God sees the pharaohs in our system. Because a society is full of pharaohs, still demanding. Every day, they demand, 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 demand. If you don't do it, we'll find somebody else. So the people are in slavery. People are struggling to make, 
to make ends meet. People struggling to pay bills. And God hears the cry of people locked in those systems. So when God hears the cries of those people locked in systems, who do you think he's going to use? Right. You work in the same system. You work next to those people who are whinging and complaining. You're part of the system. But because God is your source and your father, you're up, the system's not in you. You can be in the wilderness, but the wilderness not be in you. So if we work for Pharaoh, I don't have to be as miserable as everybody else. Because if I'm as miserable as everybody else, then what's my voice going to be like? You've got to be positive. It's a lifesaver. It's a game changer. If you can be, remain positive when everyone else is negative, people say, why are you so positive? You stick out, you're a game changer. You can say, why? Because I can be like you. I've got hope. I've got hope. This boss is not determining my future. If he has to keep this factory open just for me, he will do. He's done it. You've got to have a different perspective. But if you're complaining and complaining, we're going down, mayday, mayday, the ship is sinking, and you're ringing the bell, and people are looking to you for hope, oh my Lord, let him sink. Let him go down. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out. Because of their slave drivers, I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of, the, of that land into a good and spacious land flowing with milk and honey. Oh, by the way, Moses, you're the one. By the way, whoever your name is, you're the one. I chose you to be my witnesses. I chose you. I didn't choose somebody else. I chose you. And I, listen, even Jeremiah, do you think Jeremiah, when, the, when, when Israel got took into Babylon and there was a famine in the land, do you think, see, the modern day church, this is what happened in the modern day church, in some churches, the pastor would have his secret supply of food and his water and he'd be sat there, not a problem. Well, the people will be starving outside, but the man of God has to be preserved. No, no, no. Jeremiah suffered the same amount of persecution as everybody else did. When, it was, when, when the nation had no food, he had no food. When they had no water, he had no water. He identified with them. Amen? So if you're in that same factory that everyone else is going down, don't think it gets easy for you. It doesn't. But guess what? But the God, when Paul was on that ship, they all went down, right? Well, part of that ship went down. But Paul says, don't worry, because I'm here. God spoke to me. All your lives will be saved. But did the ship fall apart? Yes. Did he still go through the storm? Yes. Did he, still, did he lose his luggage? Yes. So he was part of it. Why? Because God needs a witness. If you're in B&B down the road... And they're all struggling. How can you identify with everybody? I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Manchester. And I'm sending you 
Dream Center to go and make a difference. I need your voice with this message. I need your voice, this message, to become a messenger. I need the voice, the message, the messenger to find its field. And I'm going to give you a conscience. So let's stand to our feet, if we will, please. Stand to our feet and let's get a conscience. Some people say, get a life. I've got a life. I've got a good life. I need a conscience. We cannot keep going down the road of me, myself, and I. There has to be an awakening in the church. Your kingdom has to come. But who's it going to fall on? So if you're serious this morning about God, asking God for a conscience, let's if we all raise our hands this morning if we can. I'm not going to have an altar call because I'm not going to do anything. It's your voice God needs to hear right now, not mine. It's not my hands you need to receive. It's his voice. It's your voice he needs to hear. You need to say, Lord, I'm a million miles away from having a conscience. My life is so self-consumed about me and my circle and my family that I have to be honest, oh God, I, I haven't got a conscience about the lost. I've, I've, Lord, forgive me. I, I've just somehow just got sidetracked from the mission. I'm a, I'm a young Christian. I didn't know that the lost had to be saved. Well, that's how you got saved. You were the lost. I didn't know. I just found my way back. Right, you found your way back. Wonderful. Now go and help others find their way back. Now you're here. The fact that you're here is proof that God has need of you and wants to use you. If the skies, remember this, if the skies stop speaking, there is no sound heard. So if the skies do that, what happens if I stop speaking? There is no representative on the earth. I can't allow that to be the case. Neither am I going to work tomorrow and banging on my desk and say, attention everybody, I have something to tell you. We're not talking about going and looking at an idiot. We're talking about being wise, but being conscious so when the opportunity comes to speak, okay? We're not talking about going in and making yourself look an idiot or a fool. We're talking about being moved by the Spirit of God. So right now you say, Father, I've moved away from, from this whole conscience, Lord, of remembering the lost. Lord, you died for the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Father, that's your mission. That has to be my mission as well, oh God. Lord, help me discover my voice. Help me overcome my fear. Give me courage. Help me write. Help me paint. Help me dance. Help me sing. Help me speak. Lord, whatever the voice is in me that can be used for your kingdom, Lord, let it come out of me this morning, Lord. I offer it to you. Come on, church. Just begin the dialogue with heaven. Father, right now, I ask you, oh God, help me. Forgive me, oh God, first, Lord. I've just drifted, oh God. I wasn't aware of it. But, oh God, you brought me back to center point this morning. You've reminded me this morning, oh God. You've convicted me through the Holy Spirit. I'm not condemned. I don't stand condemned. Lord, I'm just, you've enlightened me, back, Lord, back to the cross this morning. You brought me back to the cross. So, Holy Spirit, awaken my heart this morning. Awaken my mind. Awaken my spirit. Let me think about the lost. Next time I'm in a room, next time, Lord, give me opportunities. Oh, God, give me opportunities. Let me find my courage once again. Let the Lion of Judah roar through me once again.
Oh, Holy Spirit, join my hand again, oh God. Let us go onto the battlefield once again, oh God, to discover the joys of the, of the harvest field. Father, I will be a worker. I will be a worker in the harvest field. Oh, Father. Come on, just, just pray a little bit, just a couple of seconds longer. Just dialogue with heaven. Bring yourself before heaven and say, Lord, talk to me. Talk. You've been speaking to me this morning. I'm responding to you now.